HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for listening. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Assassins Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Hey, it's almost Christmas. It's Tuesday, December 19th, 2017, and we're wrapping up the year with uh, some of our favorite guests. I'm um, looking back on a great year of 2017. I'll give a big shout out. One of my favorite shows was with Steve Hindi of Brooklyn Brewery. We talked about food and beer manufacturing zoning in New York. It was a heavy show, but it covered a lot of bases, including the, you know the growth of over 30 breweries in New York City. And another one of my my, my favorite pair of guests who we keep coming back on because they have so many good stories are uh, hop grower uh, John Siegel from Siegel Hop Ranch. Hey, John. Hey, everybody. And Jeff O'Neill of Industrial Arts Brewing. Hey, Jimmy. You know, so we, we've, we've had some conversations this year about hops and, and 
and what, what uh, Jeff's using at Industrial Arts. So we're going to talk about that today. And we've got a special guest, industry person, uh, Leslie from Blanca here at Roberta's. Hi. Yeah. Um, first time in this <laughs> thing. I've watched That's you awesome. from this window for like seven years. So, so we always like wow. to round out the show with a great industry person. <laughs> Big shout out to our sponsor, looking glass. Union yeah. Bay Distributors. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I've Never mind. I'm not going to talk Jimmy, about it's also the here. last <laughs> night of Hanukkah. I just want to let you know being... A Jewish person. I just want you to know that. Monica, oh, Monica. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So here we are. Let's see, we're getting in the Christmas revelry spirit. Let's all toast Leslie, John, and Cheers. Jeff. So, Cheers. Guys, Cheers. and our listeners, too, thank you for a great year. Yep. And I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to more of the holidays. So let's give it a little backstory. So, so John, I know Siegel Hop Ranch. Yes. Backstory. Backstory. Grandfather came to New York State. Grandfather, born in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, came east uh, and then went went to actually to New York and started a hop ranch in 1941. He sold cheese door-to-door prior to opening the hop ranch. He was a young guy on Hudson Street, um, met a German guy, and, and they got together and partnered with the hop ranch up in Malone, New York, which is just on the Canadian border, uh, way up there. And they had 100 acres. Uh, and, um, and for they, Little House in the Prairie fans, <laughs> that's where Laurel Ingle-Wilder's father was, grew up, Malone, New York. Malone, was, New York. It's a great agricultural part yeah. of New York that potatoes, we forget about. Grapes, potatoes, grapes, and hops. Uh, uh, blue mold, downy mildew, uh, knocked out all of New York State um, in the late 50s, and then we rolled up trellis, and he actually had 100 acres in Grandview, Washington, where we are today. And um, uh, we rolled up trellis and moved everything out to the ranch uh, in, in Grandview, uh, where we've been since. And we this will be our 76th year, three generations later. Uh, and we're very proud of that. We have 470 acres under cultivation, and uh, we uh, we grow, we think, some of the best hops around. So, so back then, it was a different business, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, your well, family back, sold hops to... Back then, there were 400 breweries in the state of New York. Um, uh, there were more than that in Pennsylvania. Uh, it was a really different time. You know, it was uh, an amazing time for hop for hop growers and the beer business. It's kind of what's happening today with 6,000 breweries here in the United States, uh, which is just incredible. But back um, back when my grandfather was alive, there were there were a n- lot of breweries in the country. In the after the war, and then through the fifties and sixties, everything kind of went south. And then at some point, there were very very few breweries in the business. And so um, when my father was around, that's what he went through. And we were primarily an Anheuser Busch grower for about thirty five years. Um, but today, it's a it's a whole other ball game. It's it's a very exciting time in the craft beer industry. And then you and Jeff have have worked together a long time. Met Jeff. Uh, Go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, I said we met. I met Jeff uh, while I was showing uh, Adam Siegel uh, Ithaca College uh, up up in Ithaca. When do you think that was? Two thousand eight. Yeah, it must have been like eight. Yeah. When did he go to? When did he start? Well, he went to. Yeah, right around there. The next year, uh, seven actually. He went to. Was, he started eight. So it would have been seven University. that you came. Yeah, seven. And I'll just a big shout out. Jeff O'Neill at the time was working. He at was the, Ithaca yeah. Brewing. So yeah. ten, 10 years making the like flower yeah, power yeah, IPA. Yeah. Amazing, so. right? been fun it has been fun and he had this little beer called flower power which was just you know amazing beer and leslie you know that beer too don't you i've had it yeah. i've definitely had too much of it <laughs> <laughs> well that beer was suddenly made better at that time with the addition of john's uh cascades yeah so i introduced uh, jeff to our ohio cascades who really liked them and uh that's how we started our relationship i mean uh, going a step back so when, when yep. your dad was working yeah uh what hop? He did a special collaboration well, with well, Anchorstein. Yeah, I mean, my dad is uh, known uh, for first person to c- commercially cultivate the Cascade variety. It was a variety that came out of Oregon, and it was kind of just languishing, and no one knew what to do with it. And he 
he planted it as an experimental with Chuck Zimmerman. Chuck Zimmerman, the guy that uh, uh, propagated and developed Centennial, uh, uh, CTZ, and Chinook. He also trained um, Jason Peralt, who's probably the, the top hop breeder in the world today. Uh, and uh, Chuck and my dad got together, and 56013 was the experimental variety we planted in our ranch. Four years of work between 1968 and 1972, finally, um, Coors Brewing Company pulled the trigger and bought Cascades. And then my father was in a cooperative of hop growers and planted, um, he sold a million roots that year to all the growers in the valley. And that really established the Cascade variety. And, and then he introduced Fritz Maytag uh, to, uh, to Cascade. Uh, and he launched uh, Liberty Ale, which was the first dry hopped um, ale in the country. It really is the benchmark IPA, although it wasn't technically called an IPA, but it was a 100% Cascade and dry hopped uh, beer uh, back in 1974, I think, was when Liberty Ale and so was this launched. is good, a good backstory for our listeners. We've, we've done quite a few shows with John and different shows with Jeff, but, you know, this is this is the start of the show. But um, some other, you know, well-known craft beers that, that are that feature Cascade hops? Well, I mean, you have, <laughs> there's, you know, Sierra Nevada uh, Pale Ale, of course, is probably the most famous uh, beer in, in the world that uses Cascades. But, the, you know, I you know Flower Power also, and Jeff, you could probably add to some oh, good boy. Cascade beers. It's I mean, probably easier to think about which ones don't. Don't. I mean, right now in the Yakima Valley, uh, there's still 6,000 acres of Cascades planted, still the number one variety. It's it's lessening. You know, you have Citra and you have Simcoe that are yeah. probably around 4,000. But back then, what were a few others besides oh, I mean, back, Nevada? Back, back in the old, as far as Anchor breweries, Liberty. Yeah, like Anchor the, Liberty. The, um, the pioneers. Well, then, and then you had people, you had, believe it or not, Anheuser-Busch was using Cascades in a lot, in their beer as well, uh, which helped keep the variety going. Well, you going. mentioned all those sea hops. Right. And I'm curious yeah. a little further, are are all of the sea hops chucks? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the sea hops. Like are so, com- is Comet? Uh, I'm not sure about Comet, but, uh, but Chinook, Centennial, yeah, okay. and what Columbus. So Columbus classic. was yeah. the original, yeah. and then there's a long another story about CTZ. But basically, Zeus and uh, um, uh, Zeus and what is it? Um, oh my God! It's Tomahawk. Tomahawk and Columbus are all the same variety. Yeah. Um, for a long time, uh, to follow up on that point, the only way to coax those kinds of flavors out of out of hops were to use those those sea varieties. So any of those early kind of like first, Chinook. second generation West right. Coast West Coast style pale ales and IPAs right. were invariably heavy with those varieties. And then and then there are some later, you know, some some more aroma yeah, some more aroma type varieties that were bred that became very popular. 10 or so years ago, Amarillo, Simcoe. Right, right. Comet, um, was, Comet actually was the first high alpha hop ever developed. It was uh, in 1972. So that was, uh, and we're growing it now because and, uh, it's a wonderful hop. It has this lemony type of flavor profile in beer. Uh, Allagash uses it in their hoppy table beer. Uh, Nucolaris uses it in a beer. And, and, and also Russian River uses it in one of their beers. So now, well. what, what's the life cycle for hops? Like, how often are new hops coming out? That's. That's an interesting question. I mean, it really the, it really takes a lot of um, time and money to come up with new hop breeds, uh, uh, and it, and a lot of them, a lot of new varieties come up, and some of them don't stick. You know, you'll come up with a new variety, you'll give it to a brewer to test in a pilot environment. They yeah, might like it, or yeah. you know, Jeff can talk about uh, there, it. Yeah, yeah, there are hops that you you know, I've, I've made a habit of, of visiting a lot of these farms, and there are hops that you can pull off the vine in a field, and they are just like ambrosia in your hands but you put them in the put them in a beer and it doesn't translate right does the like the hops is the um 
do you find it like terroir driven? Like if That's, it's oh, grown sure. like Great east question. coast, yeah. west coast? Or Excellent like... question. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I got back in the business after 20 years, um, we're in the lower valley, uh, lower valley of the Yakima Valley. And, and I always believe where we are, it's very hilly. There are a lot more thermals. We're near the Yakima River, so it's cool at night. Just think of like, you know, Burgundy in France, you know. Mm -hmm. And I started talking about um, terroir back in 2009 and Top farmers in the area looked at me when sideways came out. Yeah, yeah, right. When sideways <laughs> came out. Yeah, exactly. But we I mean, I had. Merlot. I mean, I literally had hop growers look at me like terroir. You're actually using a French name to talk about marketing hops. But I really do believe that the Cascades, the high oil Cascades, we grow in the lower valley by the Yakima River are very different than in Moxie or Toppenish where it's flat and very hot. Um, and so I think that um, that area does, you can, the same variety will be different in the rub. And I, in the, I, can, in the vouch, I can vouch yeah. for this. Yeah. And it's, it's not necessary. it's a for better or worse. You know, like right. some, there's, there's like, um, even if you think about, you know, we, we kind of brew a narrow range of beers at our brewery, right. but there's a great diversity in that range. And I'll go around and be in Oregon Washington, visit several farms over the course of a couple of days, and Cascades will uh, will be grown at almost everyone. So it's easy to see. Jeff, do what you just did. You're rubbing your hands together. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I, I wish you. We so we you wish you're rub, hops, you're rubbing hops, hops in your yeah, hands. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I wish we were there yeah, now. I do too. But I mean, how, how do you, <laughs> so nice. as a brewer, you know, how how do you how can you judge the hops just as a raw material? Well, you have to, right? You have to learn. It's a learned thing. Um, it's like coffee tasting. It's the same thing with yeah, coffee tasting. You have with to, slurping yeah. with coffee. It's 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 a, it's the rub in the rub. It's on our, even on our website. We talk about it. It all comes down to the rub. We can be nice people, but you rub the hops. If you're learned, you know you know if you have a good quality product or not. And it takes until you've been exposed to bad stuff too. So not right. everybody knows that necessarily that an off batch is is that. Um, and there are some years that it's more dry and or more hot and you see a different expression in any given variety and some years you have to reject a lot of a lot of what they would have you Great. sorry a lot of what is out there and right. Jeff what's in the glass this is uh, this is beer. this is our, our beer tools of the trade it's an extra pale ale great stuff and uh, this ha this has uh, a lot of John's hops in it um, Cascade and Chinook uh, but it also f uh, really focuses on, a, on one of these newer Aroma varieties, which are not even that new That's anymore, but Simcoe. Um, which so, how is, did you design this beer? Because I know this is like your go-to beer. with an yeah, extra I mean, pale this, ale. Yeah, this beer is meant to. I, I drink these cans at home too. Yeah, yeah. Love this them. beer is meant to um, really show, great, really yeah. showcase our. I think it's really good. Simcoe is throwing me off, though. It sounds like a tech company. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's, how it's did a, it get that name? The, That's crazy. It's a it's a local uh, Native American tribe to the area. Yeah. Simcoe. So yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these Chinook, and, same thing. And yeah. it's interesting because okay. that's you know right. the I think probably part of the Peralt Farm is on Simcoe Reservation sure. or or abuts it. Absolutely. Um, so that's a, it ties back into the terroir question. Like yeah. these are local people and it's 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 stunning how many of these farmers are third generation, grew up there, went to Washington State, got a masters in, you know, botany or farm management or something really germane to what they do. It's a whole different experience from from mine. But it's great to see yeah. it self-sustaining, and, and there really is a community around it. Um, and it's something I only get to scratch the surface of once a year, but it really is interesting to see 
uh, you know, even I know of some of John's relationships with some of their neighbors are very strong yep. and, and maybe some are not so strong. Like, no, they're, they're all really yeah. strong. You know, it's interesting. It's a small group of farmers that grow hops. It's weird. We stayed on the, on the East Coast, so I go back and forth to our farm, and I have a very, very accomplished ranch manager who's really like family to us that runs it day to day, and I'm on the phone with him almost every day. But I'm kind of like looked at as we've been there for three generations, but I'm also looked at as an out- outsider being a New Yorker. I was born in the city. How's so. like I've I've recently been like encountering like hopped ciders. Now, mm-hmm. How's that like affecting the? You know, it's like, it's there's hops are being used in in, in also in in uh, spirits as well. I mean, it's, yeah, it, you're you're getting a lot of really cool, and also in <laughs> many other products. There's it's it it's really used as from an ar- aromatic standpoint. You can you can impart many nice flavors from hops in a cider or, or, or in, a, in a distillate as well. Yeah. Wow. This is a great start to the show. I'm going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Guys, it's, it's Hanukkah, Christmas, happy holidays, peace and love. Um, you guys, it's a cool show. We're talking hops in the end of the year. Cheers. And um, Cheers. Jeff, once again, man, tools of the trade, industrial arts. When you when you first made this beer, you really did oh, mean it to be that. like mm-hmm. like Good the idea. go-to beer for New York, didn't you? He's busy pouring. Oh, I'm sorry. We're pouring but, beers um, here. Oh, now, we got Leslie sorry, from Blanca here, and uh, is this the pills? John Siegel and Jeff O'Neill. Okay, tools. I did get. I did digress there, yeah. Jeff. Again, so when you made, uh, first made tools of the trade, yeah, I mean, was your intention to make this the go-to beer for New York City? Uh, well, I don't know, know if it was that ambitious, but it was more t- meant to um, showcase our the technical abilities that we invested in out in front of founding or out in front of, of opening. Um, we have this a really still to this day, it's, it's two years old now, but it's state of the art. It's a, you know, it's the, you know, John's, John's been in Beautiful the Beautiful brewery. Absolutely gorgeous. It was built just to our specifications. Crazy um, nice. To make really bright, clean, lean, expressive beers like this that are, and we were talking about this earlier, that are easy to drink, that are easy to, um, to, to, to sell, that are easy to, keep fresh, keep moving through the supply chain, 
And uh, I think, you know, we came to market with a little different perspective than most than most he, startups. He's really being modest. I mean, honestly, <coughs> and I don't want to swell his head, but the, Tools is really a brilliant product because you're getting a lot of complexity in aroma and flavor on the palate, but yet it's refreshing at the same time. And to do that as a brewer is very difficult. I, I, I can't put it into words, but really to, to brew a, a pail that meets all those requirements and yet you want more and doesn't sate you after two or three is really hard to do and what, he does it very well. What's really interesting about this beer is it doesn't really fit neatly into a style guideline either. Right. Um, it's not a session IPA. It's not a, it's too it's it's too light in color to really be an American pale ale. You yeah. know, it looks like a golden ale. Yeah, it's very um, light or color. you know or a blonde. Yeah. Um, it's very very light in color. It's very simple. Like the ingredients are, are really simple. And, uh, you, you know, John, you've heard me say this, too. Like, a recipe is really just some ingredients put together, but it's, it's finding the ingredients you prefer. And for, and, for and us, it's a, a lot brewer. of it is getting out of the way, right? right. Like, we're, we, we, we try to, we, we almost go to the ends of the earth to get the best stuff. Um, but then it's making sure that in the, in the pro- they, they express themselves as intended in the product and... When you smell that beer, like you really, you really do get all of that. It's a great beer. grapefruit and and. Uh, it's like, man, it's just as a brewer, you know, like, for you, we we know you as you worked at Ithaca Brewing. Ithaca Flower Power was your beer. Then you you helped like kind of reinvigorate Peekskill Brewery, mm-hmm. and you were winning awards, and we love those beers. So it's kind of like this is your third time around. It's your own brewery. Yeah, you think that yeah. It, it takes that much? It's like it's like Jeff O'Neill three oh, I, I don't know. For me, yeah, I'm, but 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 everybody's. Everybody's journey is different. But do you feel like now that it's your own project, like you can inject more of your like personality and in, in your oh, like for your sure. own taste? Because sure. if you're brewing for like peak skill, like that's that's their style. Like and you have to like adhere to that. Yeah, but part of what made me successful I think was learning on the job. Forcing forcing some of these issues and saying, No, I want the beer to taste like this. Gotcha. Right. Um, and that was also sometimes problematic, right? And and um, now I am have the extra unique opportunity to understand what that was like for people that I worked for. And then, Je- what um, are some of the unique aspects of your current brewery? Like, there's like a pipe that goes from building to building. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really all starts in the brew house. Like I was saying, we have a ton of control over time and temperature everywhere in the process, which are well, to my way of thinking, like the most critical control points is what you call them, right? So we have really like a lot of repeatability, a lot of, you know, uh, we, you know Mike, Mike McManus actually spends a lot of time uh, programming this stuff into it to make sure that as we go through the process, it's happening right how we want it to, to happen. But yeah, there's very, there are very few glitches um, and when they are, it's of course dramatic, but um, we have a ton of control and especially over temperature in the late part of the brew. So we, we built a lot of um, bells and whistles on the back end of the hot side to, and uh, we've talked about this before, I think, but, but, but to avoid driving off what I like about hops. Um, and those are some of those really like volatile, like raw, smelly mm-hmm. characteristics, like John, and as a hop grower, when you work with a brewer like Jeff, you know, what are the things that excite you that, that make you look forward to working with Jeff? Well, you know, it, it really comes down to the... Besides the fact that you live near him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're friends. No, I, I think that 
you know, as a grower, we put a year's worth of work into growing the best hops we can. We have to deal with so many variables as far as the weather and, you know. And some years are definitely better. And some years are better than others. You know, we can do everything we can and uh, we can't control Mother Nature. And so that's agriculture. That's farming. It's a tough business. But at the end of the day, you know, when we put out the best product we can, it's nice that people treat our finished product in a way that preserves as much flavor and aroma as possible, and also appreciate it. And I think that most of our partners that we work with, uh, the breweries that we work with as partners, um, realize that when they work with our small family farm, they're kind of getting a state quality hops. And Jeff is is certainly, a, uh, I think, a, a fan of, of our, our, our hops. Does know. every one of your customers... I call them partners, but, but yes. Partners. Yep. Uh, come and do selection? Yes. Everyone. Yeah. So this is everyone. also, this is a point of difference. Like yeah. his, um, his base is... Which was kind of weird because... His partnership base is, is, a, is Yeah, it's smaller. very unique. What, maybe 20? What is it? 15, 15. 15 breweries. But it's very unique because most... most Jeff will go to large um, cooperatives or brokerage houses uh, and sit down and, and, and select where this is kind of like going to the farmer's market. It's like going to the Union Square farmer's market and you go to the tomato guy and he's having samples of all his tomatoes and you say, well, I like that tomato and you, and you buy those tomatoes. That's the relationship that the Siegel Ranch has with the craft brewers. And we mentioned a few other breweries that you're working with regularly? Yeah, I mean, our, our largest partners are uh, Stone Brewing Company, Lagunitas, Founders. We do work with Bel- New Belgium, Russian River, Allagash, New Galaris, uh, Green Flash. Um, uh, Jeff's giving me shit Anybody now, so else? I'm not going <laughs> to name drop anymore. Anybody else? Uh, name uh, drop. Industrial Arts, uh, wait, Captain wait, no, Lawrence. Oh, no, that's not where I'm going. What are you going? What? Oh. What? There are several... Yes. That you didn't mention. Oh, I can't mention them all. I'm going to I'll probably oh, piss off somebody. Right, I'm trying to go through the list right. quickly. Good one. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Can we, I, what I want, can I, can I sure, piggyback sure. on what you were saying? Sure, sure. When you, uh, as John mentioned, um, when you visit a broker, that place will have dozens of different lots of any given variety, maybe, possibly dozens. Um, you might see a half a dozen of those. And that's when you can really parse out when something was harvested or what it is that you like or don't like about a way a variety can express itself and see more of that terroir. Over the past couple of years, most of my career, most of the aroma hops we've used have have been grown in Washington. Um, over the past couple of years, I, we, actually Mike and I, um, and, and some of the other guys I travel with, have a couple of times preferred uh, this year uh, was a Simcoe grown in Idaho, um, and last year was a Simcoe grown in Oregon, which which I was surprised that there was sure. that it was even licensed out that that wide. Mm-hmm. But there is a significant difference, not just in where it's grown, but when it's picked, how it's just dried. like wine grapes. So, and yeah, and so when you go to John's place, like differentiate from year to year, like oh sure, it, yeah, it's yeah, like, time. like a like a. Vintage. Exactly. And that's what we consider, exactly. and we consider uh, the brewer's art sometimes, in my, for us, yeah. is to try to make the same product with slightly different agricultural ingredients, which, right. are, which are variable every time. Now, when you go to John's place to do selection, his cluster of what the three or four lots of Cascade are like, it, they're similar. Yeah. They're, they're all close to each other. They're all grown Within a right. half a mile, two miles, well, within maybe, five miles, five miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you go to one of maybe the bigger farms that has thousands of acres, you'll see a bigger variation. The thing, the, what, and we treat our clusters there. like wine grapes. I mean, our cascades like wine grapes. So we actually go out 
prior to picking the, hot, the cascades, we actually go out and take green samples from different yards and we bring them to a lab and have them run for oil content because most people use our cascades as a, as a, a dry hop. In other words, they're putting the hops in like a tea bag in the finished beer to impart aroma. So we actually go in and we treat them almost like a wine grape for brick content. We go in and we, we have them run for oils. If the oils are high, then we'll, we'll, we'll harvest the cascades. We have that um, luxury because we are small, so we can let the cascades hang longer on the... If you have 1,500 acres, right? Yeah. You have to start uh, on 500 acres of cascades or 300 acres of cascades. You have to start when they're not necessarily perfectly ripe to pick them to get them finished in process. We, we have 470 total acres, so that allows us to really uh, be ve very flexible as when we pick the hops. We might pick cascades and then drop back for a few days and pick another ride and then go back into another cascade yard because they weren't r ready yet. And that's, that's what we think makes a big difference as far as the quality of our, of our hops. How big was the farm when we met 10 years ago? Uh, 10 years ago, we were uh, probably 100 acres. <laughs> So you're five x. Well, we had the years. land, but it was all in weeds. Yeah, yeah. But actually, four, actually, four, in two thousand nine, we were eighty three acres. We were eighty three acres uh, after the Anheuser Busch. So you're, you're mirroring, mirroring like the growth of craft beer in America. Exactly. So I went to the CBC, the Craft Brewers Convention, uh, in Boston. That was my first one. It was thirty five hundred people. I mean, this year in Nashville, I bet there'll be twelve thousand people to give you an idea of how the business has grown. I didn't know a soul. I just we just had Anchor Brewing Company as our our, our partner, and I went in and just met people cold and told our story. And I met founders when they were 11,000 bar 11, barrel brewery. I met Tony McGee at Lagunitas when he was 40,000 barrels. You know, I met Mike Hinckley at Green Flash when he was 10,000 barrels. So I met these guys early on. It was just dumb luck, honestly. It wasn't like I, I had any plan. I never heard of founders, you know, when they were 11,000 barrels. You cold called uh, Scott Vaccaro, right? I cold called. I walked in on Scott Vaccaro in Pleasantville in New York and walked in and said, hey, I'm John Siegel. Lawrence, yeah. And, yeah, and I walked in, I said, I'm, I'm John Siegel, I'm a hop grower. He goes, oh, I'm so angry. This is during the hop shortage. I'm paying $18 a pound for hops. What the hell's going on? And he handed me a hop union price sheet, and that's when it all, our relationship started. So, And then, Jeff, uh, this next beer, that beer number two. Oh, yeah, this is our this is our pills. It's called Metric. Um, and this, this beer is actually a really great parallel or mm, analog for tools. Like, um, these are similar beers at their cores in that they're simple and expressive and 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 um uh i don't know like how, how would you describe this how about that leslie i know you're more of a wine drinker you're, uh, how do you taste the second beer yeah the second beer i i think it um it's not like as aggressively like hopped yeah but like I think there is a little more like complexity to it. It's like maybe more floral. There's more fermentation character. Yep. Yeah. Um, Get a slight it's definitely pickle. more. Yeah, maybe not floral, but but like herbal. Herbal. Yeah, yeah probably uh, herbal. Yeah. Um, I get a slight pickle, that's the pickling, yeah. pickle pilsner type yeah. of flavor. Yeah. You know, at the yeah. end. But back end. I would totally funnel this little beer. A little bit of acidity. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I, I mean, will. It comes in. You know, <laughs> Good one, David. If need uh, be. Like, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> I mean, if you have a knife, you could chuck on the other one. <laughs> I can love I No, it's delicious. So quietly, there's the pills and there's the tools. Um, trade. Yeah, so pills, pills. this beer is a, a beer that um, Mike and I just kind of brewed on a whim last winter. Uh, I want to say February or March, and because we, we wanted to drink one ourselves. Um, and it sold really well, just the first pilot batch that we made. And then it just didn't stop moving. And... We, we've had a really great run with it. It's, uh, it fits into, an, uh, I think, a really 
sort of a, 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 a side of the style. Like it's really, it's more bitter than most. Um, it's again, it's like super drinkable. Like it's super, great with food. It's so great with food. It's a yeah. really like if there's a lawnmower beer that we make, it's this one. Yeah. Um, totally. Is it selling well in the winter as a winter time? Surprisingly, yeah, yeah, yeah because because pills yeah. because pills has become like a kind of category that most places now need to cover. Go to session, break. right? Like right. like anywhere you go now, you're likely to see one or two if they've got a dozen or more lines. It's very balanced. I yeah. think I think his I think his pills is very balanced with a slight hop forward. Part, part of it, and I think it's really nice. Yeah. I saw it the I last mean, two years. It's, it's um, done really well for us. We're happy with it. it. We think it's a point of difference from the rest of our portfolio, yeah. and also we think it's different from most of the other ones out there. So um, it definitely has its devotees. Yeah. Cheers to that, man. Yeah. Um, cheers, cheers. Industrial yeah. Arts Metric Pills. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. So we're closing out the end of the year, heritageradionetwork.org. You can still be a member. You can do the end of your giving. But one of our, our biggest friends and partners is Roberta's Pizza. And one special aspect of it is in the backyard behind our studio, the Blanca, the three-star fancy restaurant. And Leslie, that's where you work. So tell us like quickly, what is Blanca? Because I, I have never been there. I but don't know why you haven't been. How I think you? that's How about, ridiculous. Can, can we get a reservation? Because yeah, it's hard to get, you, isn't it? You know me. <laughs> Not okay, with Leslie. Now. Um, yeah, it's a it's a 12-seat uh, chef's counter, um, maybe like 19 courses or so. Um yeah, just kind of based on like what we feel like fucking eating at the time <laughs> and like what we feel like drinking and at the time. And tell us who the chef is. Oh, Carlo. Uh Carlo Maraghi like started Is he there every night? Um he's traveling a lot right now, so he's not there every night, but I'm there to like crack the whip, you know, if it doesn't taste that good. <laughs> but yeah, so it's great. It's a tasting menu. You guys even have like DJ and you have a really good wine list too, don't you? We have a really good wine list. It's all natural wines, um, but also our pairing always includes a beer at some point. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. So, like, we always try to make it like a sake and a beer, and maybe like even like a cider up here, because it's, it, you know, I mean, beer goes so well with like so much. So stuff. that night, it's it's a set pairing. It's a set period. So I'm not yeah. going to say, oh, I, I want to look at the wine list. Well, you can. Yeah. Yeah, you can absolutely, you can drink whatever you, you can want. You can spend as much as you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but 12 seats. 12 seats. Wow. But I you, I'm is, it, is it like family guys. style? Everyone eats at the same time. It's wow. not family okay. style. It's the same like, seating portions. 
But so you can do. And it what as, I say is, you can do it as a twelve or two sixes or six twos or four. Yeah, and we try to limit it to four people, mm-hmm. just because um, we want it to be more of a communal thing mm-hmm. where you're like talking and making yeah, friends. Yeah. Sounds and, fun. It's fun. How many courses? Uh, like 18, 19. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, a lot. Wow. That's a lot. Jeez. But I will say that if you're interested in a preview of Blanca, come to Roberta's with like oh, yeah. four friends and just order like 10 things on the menu because yeah, it's like a Roberta's is a warm up for Blanca. Yeah, I mean, I think it, uh, I kind of see Blanca as Roberta's grown up. Like, you know, we're still like fucking party monsters, but we've just kind of like chilled a bit yeah but like what about last night you said there was a tequila party there was oh my god fancy yeah New York City holiday corporate parties people holiday corporate party their first time in Bushwick and many bottles of tequila were consumed (laughs) and people drinking vodka from the bottles and what we love Leslie was just doing a little wine tasting at the bar at Roberta's and she agreed to come on the show (laughs) As our industry person. But let's keep going with this. So <laughs> Jeff and John and, and Hops, you know, I'm learning from it and Leslie's learning too. Yeah, um, totally. You know, more about interact. I think the biggest thing is you talk about the how you buy the hops. You know, it's an annual crop like grapes, but it's different. Yeah. And There's then, some, some shelf stability, right? So we try to store them really carefully. Yeah, I mean, we, like they're, we, they're delicate. Yeah, we, they are delicate. They're, you know, there's, there's a lot of volatile oils and hops. So once you've uh, dried them down to about 9% moisture, you then uh, press them into 200-pound blocks, and the bales are then immediately within, within 12, 14 hours are shipped to a cold storage facility at 28 degrees. That's um, to preserve the hops um, and keep them in the very best shape you can. And then eventually, I mean, folks like Anchor and Sierra Nevada – um, and Victory, they actually take those bales as is, open them up, measure them out, and put them right into their recipe. Most most other brewers will then take those hops and have them pelletized. We do that to some extent, too. You do, yeah? Yeah, of course. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you do. Everything in the hop So you mean bag. some yeah. brewers yeah. Will, will actually pelletize? Most brewers today. Most brewers, yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll hammer mill them. They'll hammer mill them at a very uh, cold temperature into a powder, then extrude them through a pellet mill to create these little pellets and then they're put into 44 pound mylar bags that are vacuum sealed and put into a box but some breweries do that it's it's a most breweries do that like it's an objectively better way to store them for long term probably 99 percent of breweries do yeah the the hop processes are doing that too and whole hops are really like messy to use like super fucking messy does it like Um, storing them (laughs) in this like vacuum thingy does it like stop all kind of like fermentation or anything? Well, there's no fermentation. Or, what you're yeah. trying to do is you're trying to preserve okay. the product as for, for all its essential oils that will then com- contribute to bittering as well as aroma. So when you... when you, when you uh, Can the oils go rancid? It's really quite a cool parallel to it's, packaging the beer. It is. A qu- it's almost it, the same. It is actually... Uh, that's actually interesting. You're right. Approaches. Yeah, you're really trying to preserve as best you can. That's an interesting point. Um, they, could, they can go bad. Yeah, absolutely. But once you pelletize... Uh, hops they can last for a few years yeah, in, in cold storage this is true it's two three years yeah in cold storage so it's a way to it's a way to uh, make them smaller mm-hmm. because the storage is expensive yeah. right like the bales are five feet five feet two three inches high they're big blocks you it's know, like it's definitely less than half box. the size like right. uh yeah i think oh, yeah. five boxes 544 yeah. versus it's about half yeah about half you know size. so if i look back at 2017 which is this is our last show of the year if i said 2017 is the year of 
DDH. You guys know what that means, right? No. Double dry hopping. <laughs> you mean dry hopping? <laughs> or dry? I don't know. Double yeah, dry well, hopping. That's we just that's we just call that dry hopping. Yeah, we call that dry I, hopping. I did see a lot yeah. a lot of beers this year where they'd have the regular version, and then there was the it's double tired, dry hopping. Oh, Tell us oh, what happens. what double dry hop is, uh, and why do people why do people like it so much this year? It's a buzzword. It's a buzzword. It's a buzzword. But I feel that actually not, in terms of drinkability, not, most people no, wanted Pilsners no, no, no this judge. year. Do you think this is uh, the year of the Pilsner? I don't know. Like, I think there's a, a cool diversity there. I um, think people are kind of getting over the, like, super hopped uh, beers. And just, like, from a person who sells beer and wine. In, in a bubble. Yeah, in a so tiny like little most bubble. of yeah. most of everybody hasn't caught up with y'all yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we um, are doing like all natural wine yeah, and shit like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like I feel like I, I don't know. Trend, I, I feel I mean, like it's like jumped the shark. There, a there's little a trend bit. that's impossible to ignore. You should talk right. about wrench. You should talk about so wrench. the beer yeah. we're drinking now. Right. Okay. There's a trend that's totally impossible to ignore, and it's a style of beer. And when I think about it, yeah. Maybe didn't it really exist as a standalone thing when I was writing my business plan three years ago? Yep. Like there were a couple of beers like this, right. and and of course I'm talking about um, hazy IPAs. Yeah, it's really. Um, good. And what's the name of this beer? This beer is called Wrench, and this is a beer that, like, frankly, we resisted making for a long time. Um, sort of based at, for the same reasons that I, I mentioned. You know how we want to. Um, Show off a little bit our, our technical abilities with these yes. with these with these really clean beers. Um, it looks hazy, Leslie. Yeah, yeah, no, it's hazy as hell. Yeah, it's meant it's meant to look like juice, right? This is the or, whole. There's a psychology yeah. to it, really. The more it looks like juice, the more it's going to taste like juice for sure. Juice for Hanukkah. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have brought up the Hanukkah thing. <laughs> uh, but it, it, the point is, uh, the point is, we, we we did. We resisted making this beer, but everybody wanted it. So we d- ultimately decided that if we're going to make it, we're going to make it, put our stamp on it. And what you'll notice in this is that it is more dry than most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it Truly is, dry. It is more focused, more bright. Like there, there are more clean edges to it yep. than a lot of them. It's like um, way more of a food beer than a lot of IPAs. I would. I think this is a hard with. beer with food. I think I because it's no. so loud. It's just so loud. No, yeah. it's but no, it's it's like it goes well with toast. I think it'd be good with some cheese, some cheese, <laughs> bowl of cereal, some or, cheese, yeah. or like yeah. uh, even like sausage. Like I would totally have this with sausage. You know, the like, early, do you sausage? Yeah, the, the okay. Early, like, okay. Early, I'll, I'll try it. Yeah, the early, totally the, the early ones were very, very juicy. And when I first was served, when I thought it was a glass of orange juice, and I basically said to the bartender, "What the fuck is this? I mean, this is like it looked like a glass of Tropicana orange juice," uh, and. I have to say that many of the hazy, juicy IPAs, I'm not a big fan of. You mean the style in general? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff's does it right because it's dried. It's attenuated out. It's it's dry in the back end. It's flavorful. It's still refreshing, believe it or not. If you you drank this beer blind in a black glass, if you drank this in a black glass and didn't see it, you would think it was a dry, beautiful IPA. And that's hard to do because many of them are just absolutely... Not balanced and very sweet, and have a lot of other things going on with it that I particularly am not a big fan no, of. No, after so. the show, we're totally having the Andrea sausage 
Boom. And well, we're going to drink this beer with it because it's going to be really good. <laughs> Will you join us for dinner and the, and the regular Roberta's yeah, 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 yeah. We're totally awesome. having Andrea sausage Done. and we're drinking this beer because it's well, going to be it. fucking good. Done. <laughs> so Can lunch. I say that? I'm sorry. Well, big. So let's go back. So, so again, I don't want to say the year of is kind no, of lame. I mean, this but, no, is. Is this the year uh, of the yes. hazy IPA? For sure. Oh, totally. I mean, this beer has become our by far our number one seller. It'll be almost half of what we do next year. And, and, and Jeff really didn't want to do this beer at one point. I remember talking to the brewery. He goes, oh, I got to do a juicy idea. So, John, let's like, talk about Jeff yes. O'Neill. So, yes. so to you and me, and, and even uh, Leslie knows this. So to you and me, Jeff, going into this, was the number one IPA brewer in New York from Ithaca Flower Power. I have to say this stuff. To peak, peak skill. skill. Yeah. What, 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 you what flatter was, me. You flatter yeah, me. Yeah, Eastern yeah. Standard, and then there was like I hate other to say one. it, but he's definitely up there for and sure. And you've won awards. So we <laughs> yeah. have been expecting you <laughs> to do the best IPA in New York again, and you're doing it, man. So yeah. well, we're doing cheers the best to you, that, bro. Well, we, yeah. Cheers. We're doing the, there's so many breweries now that that it's like an any given Sunday thing. We're doing the best that we can, right. and like we're doing, you know, really, really, truly, we are, we are working. I'm a as hard as I ever have in my career and as, as uh, earnestly as I ever have in my career to, to put the best product that we can out there. So it's, uh, if, if the beer tastes good, that's, that's an example. No, I have to right. say that actually there's some, there's some great, in New York City area, there's some fact, great I'll beers out there. More. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> there, there's, some, there's some great New York City beer breweries out there I mean, that are doing a great job, though. I mean, but Jeff definitely is up, up there for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, it's... We, it's doubled in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's nuts. Right. So right. there are all kinds of people making all kinds of um, forward-thinking things right now. And the Hudson Valley, I think, is is a really great microcosm of that, um, even within New York State, but beyond that, within, within the context of even national uh, craft brewing, there are how oh, 12 or 15 really great breweries t- with a totally different takes on what brewing in the 21st century is. And that's really... That's exciting. Yeah. How do you feel about sour beers? I love sour beers. Any, like, do you think you would, like, do Um, one at some point, or...? Well... Maybe maybe I'll tell you guys about a little project that we're oh. that we're, we're going to work on next Insider year. Insider information. Um, we are... We're built to really, like... We built our brewery to make these kinds of beers. Fresh beers, you know, sure. cans. Um, to really be... Uh, uh, distributing, like to, to be able to scale and to provide fresh beer um, within the kind of nearby radius um, that we thought was distinct from, from what else was out there. Um, we've seen that there's some other space in the market and, and we have, um, a, we, we got a farm brewing license last year. So we're going to launch soon a, um, a line of strictly New York ingredient beers. Um, they'll be 100% New York ingredients like across the board. Uh, it'll be kind of a sub-brand. Um, and one of those that we're still penciling in for next year will be it will be a sour sort of farmhouse beer. And they'll, they'll mostly be farmhouse beers. Um, and, the, and they're going to be called the Landscape Series. Hmm. Um, Jeff, will that so be in really a, a separate brewing that. facility or the same facility? Same, same facility, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it's a separate license that we have um, that is a, a newer, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo has been really uh, forward-thinking about recognizing that, that brewing is a real, craft brewing is a real, like, force in the, in the economy in New York State. Um, but we, we got this license last year, and it allows us some... You know, uh, some permissions like you can have satellite locations with it as long as you 
are faithful to the uh, concept of supporting New York agriculture and 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 really promoting something that that's that's bigger than just maybe your brand. Um, that's that's kind of the spirit behind it. So. Uh, we're really looking forward to, and I think we'll be making some of the biggest batches of beers like this. And there are a bunch of really great brewers, and even especially in the Hudson Valley, um, that are making New York beers, and we're really excited to 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 join them doing that. Great. And do you feel like th- is there going to be a challenge for you? Like, you know, so many of the the malt facilities in New York are new. The the hop growers are new. Yeah, and- I mean, it's it's a it's got to be a team effort, and. Um, in, you can't compromise on the quality. So if it's not there, you know, like sometimes, even in an established area, like there might be a row that you can't sell that's not even worth processing. And a lot of that is a learning curve. Like uh, people are, you know, hop farming is a really labor-intensive thing. It's very um, expensive on a per-acre basis. Like it's not something that you necessarily I'm just know. nodding my head right it's now. It's not <laughs> something that you necessarily know how to do. Uh, without having done it. So we've seen all kinds of different... I've seen amazing hops grown in New York, and I've seen some that were not. And uh, then, Jeff, one last question. And You know, like, <laughs> I feel like that a lot of the new breweries, and there's been so many, I feel like there's a learning curve with your system. Did you go through that? I mean, you've oh, been for open sure. for a year. Yeah, for sure. Like, just dialing stuff in. And we ha- we still haven't done what they call optimization, which is to bring the engineers back and... Uh, try to shave out some time and energy uh, in places that maybe you weren't thinking about anymore. Um, but definitely, yeah, we've, we've had to figure out uh, how, you know, we're finally able to mash in from home. So, like, Mike's usually the first guy there. He can start the process when he leaves or before he leaves from home and get an hour jump on the day. So there's lots of stuff like that that it takes a while till you can believe in it fully and count on it. Um, and not until the beers are dialed in can you start to. Dude, your stuff's tasting take, take great. A step man. Back Congratulations. And, and, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. And Thank John, you. for you, we're really, a, we're really happy with where the beers are at now. And, and it, was yeah. a, it was a process for sure. Like, like they weren't all perfect from the beginning. And every batch that we make is relatively big. So, so it's, a big, it's a big bet. Um, and most of the time, we were, we were really happy with what we were doing, but we're finally think hitting our stride and, and and we feel great about what we're doing do right you now. sometimes like brew a huge batch and you're like nah yeah saying go yeah on. for sure yeah okay mm-hmm. have you had a pour off yeah we did we we yeah yep wow you can't ever put you have to beer. and you have to yeah. when you need to you have yeah to. you have to you i have mean to to, for your the brand and everything yeah yeah and john for you uh you know hop grower um anything else you want to say about no, I mean, arts. I think I think really we we Jeff and I come from the same school. It's, we were striving to to produce the very best product we can, and it's great that he appreciates our hops. And uh, I love to taste his beers with our hops in it, and that's a great partnership. That's what it's all about, and it's uh, it's the appreciation and the partnership that really makes makes it really fun. Yeah, and like he, not everybody gets away. Like most of these farmers, they really are Washington based, and they're not. Yeah. Like they might have a similar relationship with a with a with a Washington State brewer. Right. right. I mean, I have a, I have a really cool scene here because I'm here customers. on New York yeah. area and I can yeah. hang out with Jeff and Scott and many other place people. Who and else do you sell travel. beers? Hops too locally. <laughs> well, Jeff, there's a couple you didn't mention. A couple a New York area brewers. Well, yeah, I've sold, we sell some to the folks at other half and threes and a bit. Uh, I think a bit to Interboro through through some partnerships and. Um, 
Um, now you're putting him on the spot. Magnify in New Jersey. There you go. There you go. Um, you're putting him on the spot. But yeah, I mean, we like, we, listen, I like tasting beers that have Seagull Ranch hops in them. So whenever someone wants to use use our hops, I'll certainly work with them. How about this? Let me get a refill of the wrench. Well, she wants to save that for the sausage at dinner. We'll no, get more. Yeah, I no, we don't have up. more. There's no, one, there's one more can. We're having it with India. I yeah. swear <laughs> to fucking God. There's another, uh, there's another pill, though, I'm sorry, I keep I'm going to shout out to that, um, the guys to... from Melvin and Wyoming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somehow they're on tap. The Melvin IPA is yeah, on tap. That's very nice. Roberta's, and very I love nice. that one, They're too. good pals of ours, too. Yeah. And in fact, I think we're in the preliminary. Uh, uh, Ted and, and, and Jeremy, if you're listening, uh I think it, we're in the, the the beginning of process of planning a collaboration or two with them nice. this coming year. Wow, man. Yeah. Well, so. we're going to wrap up soon. And Leslie, it's so great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. This was so You know, you've been random. at Roberta's and you're a real industry pro. Thank you. I've, I've been around. <laughs> yeah. And big shout out to everybody again to John. You guys say your names one more time and your affiliation. Uh, Jeff O'Neill, Industrial Arts Brewing. John Siegel, Siegel Ranch. Uh, Leslie Vineyard. Uh, balls deep uh, in, on Instagram. <laughs> Roberta's and Blanca. But you guys have been great. Big thank to our sponsors. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy, you thank you. So much fun. Thank Good you. job. And big shout out. Hey, guys, it's been a great 2017. Thank you so much. Keep checking out Jimmy's number 43.com. Some news is coming up. And Cheers. New York City Beer Week and a lot of good things happened in 2018. And big thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, engineer extraordinaire, David Tadashore. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Yes! Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.